Assalamualaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq el and you can keep up with us on social media. You will find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. Also, take a moment to use that same username, and you will find us wherever you get your podcasts, from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spotify. Uh, just keep running down the list. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. So after you subscribe, rate, and review, make sure that you also share why? Because sharing is caring. That's right. <laughs> Sounds really cheesy, but it is. So make sure you share. Uh, before we get started, fam, we want to thank our sponsor, Recycle Processes. Thank you very much for your continued support. Uh, with that, I am happy to have joining me in studio to uh, great up and coming. Well, I don't even think they're up and coming. <laughs> they, they've arrived. They're already here. Uh, Aiden Anwar, Sadiq uh, bin Abdullah. Uh, Assalamu alaikum to both of you. So, uh, we well, first tell folks what you all do. I mean, other than the radio slime work that you all are doing now as well, uh, you all are wearing a few different hats, right? Yeah. So, why don't you just, just <laughs> remind, remind the radio slime family uh, how multi layered you are? So, in addition to uh, hosting Radio Islam, <laughs> we are tasked with Aiden's <laughs> spaces. <laughs> so, in addition to Radio Islam, um, I uh, am officially. I guess you could say a content developer. So I take care of a lot of different writing assignments. I'm currently producing a uh, civic engagement manual, um, you know, things along those lines. In addition to that, I'm also uh, currently working on uh, this volunteer initiative, uh, primarily concentrating on the Rohingya issue as well. Okay. All right. That, that's, a, that's a good intro. Aida? And uh, for me, I am... So I'm, I'm, my position is executive assistant here at Sound Vision, but I'm um, also primarily working on the Save Uyghur campaign, so any work that has to do with uh, the East Turkestan issue, um, protesting, sharing information about future events or campaigns, I'm in charge of that. Um, and similar to, um, to Sadiq, I am focused on like gathering volunteers from around the country to mobilize these efforts. And... Um, and bring some more, I guess, results. Okay, all right. It is unfortunate right now that you all can't see the faces uh, as I'm talking, <laughs> but soon enough, soon enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I think I think your intro is. I'm glad that you went uh, after Sadiq because mm. we get to kind of segue into uh, an event that we had earlier today, mm -hmm. uh, dealing with the. Uh, Uyghur um, peoples, and this is, uh, for those of you who need a refresher, we'll give you a quick refresher, right, to put everything in context. Uh, you are aware that uh, within China, there are concentration camps, uh, and we have millions of ethnic minorities that are in those camps, uh, predominantly the uh, Uyghur people. Yes? Do I yes. Get a, yes. Yes. Yeah. You get a yes there. Okay. So... Costco, right? We've gone from China to Costco. Now we're at Costco. Uh, Costco was, they, they were um, stocking these baby pajamas, right? And word got out that these ba baby pajamas were actually being manufactured um, by forced labor. And that forced labor was coming from where? Coming from the city of Khoten, I believe. Um, that's a city in East Turkestan. And... Um yeah, essentially made by 
modern-day slaves who have been detained in these concentration camps. In these camps, the facilities are enlarged so that now they have factories um, so that people are sewing these clothes and whatnot. Right. So this morning, uh, we went out to, um, as a part of the work that Justice for All does, right? There's this big umbrella, uh, organizational umbrella of uh, activities going on, whether it's um, the Burma Task Force or the free, um, the, the campaign is Free Kashmir, yeah. right? Yeah. The Free Kashmir, uh, that campaign, or the Save Uyghur uh, campaign. Uh, it's all, these are all connected. I guess you could say these are all powered by Sound, Sound Vision, Vision right? Yeah. right? So uh, we went to one of the Costco locations uh, on the north side, and we're basically trying to protest, not necessarily Costco, because Costco did something that I think was really admirable and responsible, uh, in that they immediately pulled those uh, items off of their shelves, right, and terminated the contract with the uh, organization. Right. Yes. Right. Right. So yeah, it didn't take a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of protests for them to come to that point, but we were out there really just let passerbys know, um, you know, that slave labor is taking place, uh, and and what else? What was the other big takeaway? Uh, that, that you got. I think essentially what we wanted uh, ultimately was for Costco to kind of come out and issue an apology, like an official condemnation and an apology for uh, uh, the previous dealings with uh, uh, the manufacturer. Um, so it wasn't, as you mentioned, it wasn't so much about um, condemning Costco or protesting against Costco, but rather kind of just uh, requesting that they officially publicized like a, an official condemnation. Um, two of the other demands that we had for today's protest was to um, have them in the future consult with Uyghur leaders here in the U.S. or in diaspora whenever they're about to conduct business with a Chinese company mm. um, and to really do their research as to how these where these clothes are being sourced from um, before they make that deal with them. And then the, the third and then the other demand was um, to compensate for what they had done um, you know, the damage that they had done, the, the forced labor that they used by um, help, helping fund, you know, the Uyghur human rights groups here in the U.S. So that that was uh, another demand that we had. And overall, I would say that this was, again, like less on condemning uh, Costco and more so making sure that we um, don't have an issue like this swept under the rug. You know, we don't want in the future if another company or if another business decides to make deal with China um, or decides to conduct business with China, that they know that we will respond, you know, that there will be backlash. Mm -hmm. So this is, you are hoping to like create a lesson for other people not to think that, okay, as long as they take them off the shelves, we'll be, we'll be quiet and we'll be happy and everything's fine. Because yeah, they took, they took them off the shelves and you know, someone might question, okay, what was the point of you protesting? Now there's, there's no reason to, you guys look silly. But in reality, like we want to make sure that this is something that they know is something that we're not going to just like pretend like it never happened, you know. So, are you aware of any official response um, on on the part of Costco? Uh, so I I, I am not aware of any public apology that has been released by the CEO or by the um, by the leaders of Costco. So that's that's why we had demanded a public apology that's publicized because um, I I have a feeling that a lot of this was kind of just like. 
like apparently there were some Uyghur activists who had called uh, the corporate um, center of Costco yesterday mm-hmm. and um, they had mentioned that they had already mentioned that they already like took them off the shelves and you know this everything has been like seized like the their connection with these companies have been seized but again like that hasn't I to what I know that hasn't really been made public right. um, so we want that to be and again obviously Costco's or any business not going to want to make this thing public because it'll you know hurt their image so mm-hmm. well I mean to that point um, I, I go back to once again I mean their response to it to respond um, quickly right. uh, decisive, decisively right. I think there's a certain uh, uh, amount of I think corporate leadership you exactly, know yeah. that you know that, that you see in something like that exactly. and we don't always see that you know a lot yeah. of times you got to make a lot of noise right. before somebody says okay well maybe we'll we'll take the stuff off the shelf yeah. or we'll investigate or whatever but yeah. uh, I think that's a that's a an appropriate um, first step now yeah, but, but when it comes to um, American businesses, knowing who is on the, you know, who's on the ground um, and who's and, and representing the uh, Uyghur community here, uh, because they can't advocate for themselves in, in concentration camps, right. right? So that falls on those activists yeah. here. Yeah. Um, do you think that this is also an opportunity for them to, for other retailers to, to kind of find out? who the, the voices are, who the people that they need to, need to be paying attention to um, here before, what, what, as they're doing business? Yeah, most definitely. I think it'll give them an opportunity to conduct more ethical business practices yeah. in the future and, and to you know, be cognizant of uh, where they're deriving their you know, resources from and, and how they're you know, kind of uh, utilizing the resources that they already have uh, yeah. in you know, producing products or selling them and, and, and you know, uh, so I think hopefully it'll it'll improve the situation for other retailers as well. One thing that I wonder though is like, how how can a business like I don't know if if what what happened with Costco was um, like an accident, like they had no idea that this was the case, or and then it was later found out, or if they kind of knew from the beginning, but they just wanted to like, you know, let's just see, let's just see how long it takes for someone to realize, and hopefully no one realizes. If that was a mentality, like, I honestly don't know how a lot of this works, and I'm just wondering, like, I feel like when you decide to make a contract with a company, um, especially, uh, you know, something that is abroad, like, do you not do resources on where this is coming from? I feel like that should be standard um, you know, business practices where mm-hmm. instead of just kind of blindly going with whatever they provide and like, okay, yeah, let's just make a deal, right? Like, I just, I'm just curious as to know how this, how this happens. You know, this makes me think about, um, there's this saying uh, uh, for, and I've, I've heard it associated with the military and they're telling infantry uh, persons, they say, don't ever forget that your weapon was made by the lowest bidder, mm-hmm. right? So this kind of this idea that um, business uh, is built on people turning a profit, not necessarily <clears throat> examining the business practices or the culture of uh, the companies that they work with, but just looking at what's the end result. Now, what I'm really surprised at is that um, for a company like Costco, right, and I'm not making light of, uh, of anything, I'm just saying that they've got some wonderful muffins. Um, uh, just, and churros. 
Yes, yeah, and and, uh, and pizza, yeah. right? So I mean, <laughs> obviously I'm a Costco member, but um, uh, but when I think about a company like Costco yeah. that pays its employees fairly well, yeah, right? Got yeah. benefits. Um, uh, they've got a, seem to have a really good workplace culture. Yeah, even the quality of their of their products are. They, they, they tend to be really good. Yeah, I j- see these shoes. Okay, you all can't see the shoes. <laughs> I, yeah. I bought these from Costco. Yeah. These oh, are wow. Kenneth Cole shoes. Yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. nice shoes. And yeah, for sure. So all, all of that to say, it's it's kind of in opposition to this image that I have of, exactly. of the company, right? So yeah. I'm more inclined to be, I guess to give a little bit of leeway when you start to, when I, when I ask myself, did they know? You know, because I mean, those right. the, the the questions that you you know just articulated, those are the same things that I think most folks would think mm-hmm. about. Like, well, you were just trying to turn a buck, and you know, I don't know. I feel like Costco. Hopefully, right? Hopefully, you're not putting Costco up on a pedestal. on a pedestal, right? right? right. But um, it's something that does kind of seem to be um, the opposite of what many of us perceive them to be. Right. 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 So. All right, so uh, let's kind of go back to one of the, the big takeaways, uh, which is for not just Costco, right? But hopefully they are going to respond and they will support, um, uh, as you put it, say uh, uh, support uh, organizations that are working on behalf of, of uh, Uyghur, mm-hmm. right? So, but also for all of those other retailers, right? right. For them to be aware that there's going to be a price for, uh, for, you know, for doing business with folks who are employing slave labor. Right. Well, not, well, that's an oxymoron. You can't employ <laughs> exactly. They're They're utilizing slave labor. Yeah. Uh, what do you feel like the uh, response of the people was? From the protests? Yeah. So, unfortunately, this was, uh, well, I mean, not many people showed up to the protests in, in terms of demonstrating. Um, and unfortunately, given the nature of the whole private property slash, you know, public property and us being kind of basically we had arrived um, in front of Costco and the manager had been waiting for us because like, they were already anticipating our arrival. I think they yeah. saw our protest through their press release. Um, essentially, they were waiting for us. And then as soon as we got out of the car, you know, they asked us what we were doing, what we were there for. And we told them we we're here for the protest. And they immediately moved us to um to the sidewalk so which is a little bit far out from the parking lot so it wasn't like in front of the store where like we could interact with shoppers um so that was the one downside is like we didn't really get to have much um open interaction with customers and so when we we're at the sidewalk we our basic our main form of um uh, communicating our message was to um well i mean we had the media come and then also there were people who were driving past us um or who were waiting at a red light to turn away for, to turn out from costco so that was our main form of um i guess communication there were some people who just kind of looked at the signs they didn't really yeah. say anything we had some people honking in support of us yeah exactly and there was actually a couple of people who like pulled down their windows and they're really curious as to like what was happening and we gave them out a handout that explained yeah. um you know why we were protesting hmm. What do you think, uh, because we were talking a bit offline about this, Um, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, he made a, uh, he shared a statement or made a tweet, what was that He tweeted. He tweeted. Yeah. 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 Talk talk a bit about that. Um, So yesterday he had tweeted 
saying that he basically condemns um, and he reiterated the point that China is putting, you know, millions of people in uh, these camps and are like using surveillance to abuse them and whatnot. And then he responded, he, it was like a Twitter thread and he responded to that and he was like, what we're going to do starting today is we're actually going to enact visa bans on Chinese government officials or people from China who are complicit in these abuses towards the Turkic people of East Turkestan, so the Uyghurs, Kazakhs, um, and then the other um, um, people there. So the, the tweet exactly is, I'm reading it now, is, Today I am announcing visa restrictions on Chinese government and Communist Party officials believed to be responsible for or complicit in the de- the detention or abuse of Uyghurs, Kazakhs, or other Muslim minority groups in Xinjiang. So, you know, for the entire... <laughs> I mean, not not even just the Uyghur community here in, in the diaspora, but, like, for a lot of people, this was very, um, like, it was very happy to finally read this because, like, after spending so many years of, like, work and doing this activism and not seeing much action taking place from Muslim-majority countries, from the general community, like, even though, obviously, the Trump administration, I mean, their policies are... <laughs> pretty much trash for everything else i mean if we, especially for the muslims here in america but this is the one thing where we're like okay finally there's some action and i mean one can argue that obviously their intentions definitely not in the right place this is about china and this is about the trade war it has nothing to do about them caring about muslims there yeah. mm-hmm. but we're taking it still to our advantage like you know we're like okay that's still a step right enacting visa bans is that will affect a lot um and also the u.s recently a couple of days ago, it was uh, the new. It was um, uh, the news release that the U.S. Ba- blacklisted 28 Chinese companies that were complicit in what's happening. So again, that's a big step, and because of that, even like the stock stock market is um, being impacted. And mm-hmm. I mean, these these companies are gonna they're gonna feel something. Uh, do you think this is actually enough to sway um, Muslim uh, voters? in their perception of the Trump administration, even though you just, you know, you just mentioned that overall the, uh, his, uh, the right. administration's positions are anti-Muslim. Right. Um, but in this particular instance, I mean, it's really difficult when, when you're looking at this type of oppression, right? right. It, it's something that stands out, you know, right. in, a, in a much more glaring uh, manner than maybe others, yeah. uh, other instances. But uh, yeah. what do you think? So I would personally say, I mean, I don't want to speak on behalf of other Muslims, yeah. um, but I feel like based off of what I felt towards how the Uyghur community is feeling, like they had been from the beginning for the past maybe year or two, like very hopeful in the Trump administration actually doing something. And I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if I were to find Uyghurs who are willing to vote for Trump again, or if this if these kinds of if this kind of uh, support continues for the Uyghur situation, because you have to realize that these people's experiences have all been shaped through by the oppression occurring. Like the reason why they're in the States in the first place is because they're fleeing this this abuse and persecution and, and the, the threat of being sent to a concentration camp and essentially 
being sentenced to death. So we have to keep that in mind. And maybe a lot of these people also just are not aware of the types of policies, other policies that they're enacting upon the rest of the American people and how detrimental and, uh, you know, uh, hypocritical it is. So it, it comes down to like knowledge of these politicians um, and uh, just understanding what people's experiences are. And, and also like maybe frustration as well from working super hard on a cause and never seeing like action being taken action taking place from other powerful officials because they're too scared to you know speak up against china so then the, and then the one time someone finally speaks up for you like you're like thank god like and you like throw yourself on them like that's you have to think about as an as a natural response so um but again like I, i'm just trying to think of like how if i were to put someone else myself in someone else's shoes how that how that whole opinion might be formulated well, let, me, let me ask this um I know we mentioned the work that Sound Vision is a part of and different um, causes. Now, these are, for some, mm -hmm. these issues uh, represent singular areas of focus. Some that are just focused on uh, Rohingya, some that are focused on the Kashmir, some are focused on the uh, Uyghur. Um, but this idea of intersectionality, when you bring disparate parts together and they are able to uh, you know, they see that we have the same fight, maybe in different areas, but we have the same fight. So it becomes not just a conversation about justice and freedom uh, for one people's, but it becomes a conversation about them for all people. Right. And I mentioned that because what I worry is that um, politics in America, it allows, often it is allowed for people to be a uh, single issue. Um, well, I should say people outside of the what we would call the dominant discourse, mm -hmm. right? So if you're people of color, if you're people who, if you're non-Christian, uh, non-white, then you generally don't have the luxury of being a single issue voter, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. There's not, but, but in this instance, mm -hmm. do you think those, uh, 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 um, those uh, Uyghur who, who are here right. could actually fall into that where they could become single issue voters uh, and not, you know, to, to the exclusion of all those other That's what I'm saying. Concerns. Like, that, that's, one, that's one of my concerns. I feel like maybe someone, let's say, who just came here a couple of years ago is not aware of what else is happening, what else the Trump administration is doing. Right. right? And they see, okay, Trump is, like, like, the only, like, the U.S. is, like, the only country creating such impact for our people. Yeah, of course I'm going to vote for them next cycle. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I'm just thinking that's definitely a possibility. Um, and that, that again, but in, in that case, it would be a single issue voting scenario where they're just super, I guess. But at the end, it's also important to be very cautious because pe politicians, their their viewpoints always change because they're obviously they're oftentimes their intention is not going to be consistent. Um, so let's say the trade war, like the, the the dynamics of the trade war, like progresses, and let's say the relationship gets better between them. In that case, and. The U.S. for sure is not going to speak up against China. They're they're not going to care, especially right. the Trump administration, right? So, like, it's not important. It's not. It's really important for us not to like rely upon these people and pretend like they're the saviors. You know, always, always remembering the highest power, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So I think that's that's important. Yeah, um, I think uh, when looking at this issue in particular, or when when assessing like the trajectory of the Trump administration, I think. Um, you know, different Muslims across different communities are affected by his policies in different ways. And so while, while the Uyghur community may 
be in support of uh, the administration's current actions, perhaps, you know, uh, this issue specifically perhaps may be irrelevant to other Muslims in other communities. Not because, you know, perhaps that they don't care, but because, you know, you know, other Muslim communities, say, for example, the Palestinian-American community has their own issues to worry about as well, right? And so this kind of goes back to the whole idea of uh, attachment to, you know, specific geographies, yeah. right? Which is understandable to an extent, but going back to what you were saying about um, standing in solidarity with one another, uh, kind of coming together under the same cause, under the same, you know, uh, uh, theme, really, of, you know, combating oppression, uh, speaking a word of truth, so on and so forth. I think this, you know, different people perceive this in different ways. So I think it'll be interesting to see how the next election cycle will affect the either the unity or disunity of the Muslim community in regards to these uh, particular issues and the United States foreign policy as well. Mm. Um, speaking of which, so we've got a number of communities um, within the the Muslim uh, um, population in the U.S that can look back to different areas around the world and see U.S. involvement or lack of involvement. Um, and, and, and their whole push is to bring awareness to those, you know, to those fights, those struggles. How much of a, um, I shouldn't say how much, do you see a danger or, or possibly um, U.S. involvement uh, in those areas is really related more to dividing the Muslim community as, as it stands today. Uh, and by that, I'll clarify. What I mean is, uh, you know, we had the Howdy Modi, you right. know, event, sure. right, at uh, Energy uh, Stadium. And Muslims are being uh, assaulted, attacked, killed, right, yeah. in India. And um, so, you know, Muslims from, you know, from that area that are here now, Indian Muslims feel yeah. some kind of way about that, right? Right, uh, but that may not be high on the list of everybody else's agenda, right? So it's like, okay, well, if I can uh, support this guy right now because he's doing something good for me or something favorable, but I'm going to ignore what he's doing to to you. Yeah, what are the potential implications of that for the Muslim community? Uh, or are there or are there implications? Right. So this is kind of like what I was talking about, right? This whole idea that uh, different people are attached to different ge geographical locations, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and and the you know political issues that uh, are associated with those uh, geographies. So, I mean, I feel like you know the, the American Muslim community has a set of issues to worry about: um, the Trump administration, Islamophobia, hate crimes, and such. At the same time, I feel like over time, over the last, you know, since 9-11 up until now, I feel like the focus of the American Muslim community has shifted very much so from concentrating uh, our efforts uh, in raising awareness for issues overseas to, you know, the issues that we face here today regarding xenophobia and Islamophobia and whatnot, uh, white supremacy, etc. Um, so, so, you know, so because of that shift in prioritization of different issues, more so domestically, I don't know exactly whether or not the Muslim community will rally around, uh, uh, you know, kind of like a unifying cause, specifically for, you know, as, you, as you mentioned, for instance, uh, the crimes against Muslims in India, right? That's, that's you know, it, it most definitely is a concerning issue, and there are uh, different organizations and different activists and people raising awareness on those issues. 
um, but whether or not the Muslim American community specifically will rally will rally behind those issues in unison is another question altogether. So it's it's I to some extent I would like to I'd like to be more optimistic and say yeah, you know I think we can rally around behind the the Uyghur cause, the Kashmir cause, the you know uh, you know so on and so forth, the Palestine cause. Um, but at the same time, uh, I feel like. And especially with the younger generation of American Muslims, I feel like they have prioritized a different set of issues that kind of impact us more so here domestically. Mm. I just want to kind of go off of what Sadiq was saying about you know how people are more concerned with obviously they're going to be more concerned with maybe domestic issues with issues that are directly affecting them mm-hmm. rather than people you know on another continent. Um, but you know what, what's so interesting is like it's. It's been, you know how there's, we're going to have the constant fight um, against the Trump administration with the Islamophobia occurring here and whatnot. But it's like, when you talk to, like, let's say Uyghurs living here in, in the States, and we're all, a lot of us are practicing Muslims, mm-hmm. like, that's the elite. Like, and, and, and then what naturally happens is, like, we think of the Islamophobia back home, and the com- and we actually, we're going to compare. Like, what is Islamophobia here versus Islamophobia back home? Yeah. The Islamophobia back home is to the point where even saying assalamu alaikum can lead you to 10 years of prison, yeah. right? And it could mean that it's refusing... Exactly. Refusing yeah. a cigarette can land you into a concentration camp where your organs are harvested, you're being forcibly sterilized and tortured and raped. Like, and, and then, like, you have mass separation occurring between parents and children and just, like, unspeakable atrocities, right? Whereas here, like, alhamdulillah, we at least still have religious freedom. Right. Right. I can still walk around Chicago with my hijab on and not be super, like, not think, okay, there's a surveillance camera looking at me and figuring out, you know, whether or not I should be sent to a camp, right? That's not the thing, the thing that walks through my I mean, that I think in my head, right? I mean, there are some, obviously, some sisters who are obviously going to be more cognizant about their hijab, especially living in, um, especially with, you know, uh, Islamophobes, like, uh, living around us. But, you know, I just naturally, like, I'm gonna be very honest. Like, ever since Trump became president, like I was, I was actually scared of walking around in a hijab a few times. But at some point, once I started to see what was happening get worse back home in East Turkestan, I was like, this is nothing. Like, I'm living, alhamdulillah, my situation is like I'm living, a, I'm living someone else's paradise right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, there's another girl my age who is also Uyghur, who decided to wear hijab, who decided to wear an abaya, and this is an actual um, sister that I know, not, I don't personally know her, but I know her mom. She was telling me her, her daughter got sentenced in nine years of prison because of what she was wearing. And only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows if she's still alive and what her condition is in this prison. She has no contact with her family in this prison. Their her parents don't know which prison she's in, and they're, they're, her family right now is in Turkey, which is why I was able to get in t- contact with them and you know ask about their, their family situation. But I'm like, and she she was sentenced to prison when she was in when she was 19 years old and i'm just like what did i do to like alhamdulillah i mean obviously like everything's for a reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places us in certain places and at certain times for a reason but right. i'm like i'm here in america i'm doing exactly what she did and i'm just walking freely and now and then there's, uh, meanwhile this other girl who's exactly like me is behind bars and Allahu alam as to what atrocities she's going through every day in these prisons that have no set standard as to what is proper prison conduct prison proper you know uh, protocol right there there's no i mean i mean the fact that she was sentenced to 10 10 year, nine years of prison in the first place is messed up right no proper trial no proper lawyer like what is that and and you know that what's funny is that china's constitution actually talk they actually say that china is a place for religious freedom 
So they're breaking their own constitution really? by doing yeah. Mm. It's you know I'm just like this is not even part of the law. Like it's not like she actually broke the law for wearing hijab. She literally like was just practicing her faith and. You know what I mean? You know, I would be like, um, what I what I cannot help but think of is that reality. There there was a lot of rhetoric that precipitated that came before that reality. You know, came into being, and I think in a place uh, like the United States, right? The fact that we have the religious freedoms that we have, um, to see that uh, being, uh, those freedoms being questioned by people who, you know, they want to malign Islam and Muslims, uh, they want to distort uh, the, the narrative around us uh, and, and drum up hatred, right? Which is, a lot of times it's rooted in ignorance, but a lot of times it's just rooted in pure, just simple hatred. Yeah. Um, but that rhetoric left unchecked, uh, it, in, in a, in, at a certain point, it becomes action. And it you end up, a, absolutely, yeah. and you, you wind up with uh, situations like we see. Like tip, I mean, that, I'm really, as I'm talking, I'm just trying to process that. Just, just how crazy uh, is that? Somebody to, to, to tell you that you got to go, you're in prison for nine years. Because you had on a baya, you had on a hijab. That's yeah. Anyway, I'm all and of that. And what's worse about that whole situation is that like most of the world still doesn't know that this is such a. The, the most of the world doesn't know that, right? right. They yeah. don't know that. It is not just her. This is these are scores and scores of people getting sentenced to anywhere from five to twenty years for doing very basic things. Yeah. If you have a Quran recitation on your phone, right? If you have WhatsApp on your phone, if you grow a beard right now, Tariq, if you were an East Turkestan and you're an Uyghur person, you be you could easily easily be sentenced anywhere from twenty to life sentence, right? We had one of our um, Uyghur family friends who was actually actually is the one who recited Quran at my fa- my grandfather's funeral. We found out that he got sentenced to life in prison. Yeah. Right, like just just for being just for reciting Quran, he he memorized the Quran and served as that member of the community who would, uh, you know, recite Quran at these functions, like you know. And what's crazy is that again, the world we the world explodes of certain issues that that are important. But I'm like, what about these our Muslim brothers and sisters being like, you know? And this is not just one or two days of torture. It's not like it's like years. These are, these are lives taken out. Basically, these lives are ruined. Yeah. And there's like silence. Yeah. What makes it even worse is that even like Muslim countries are unable to speak uh, due to their economic. Not even unable. Not even unable to speak. Some Just of them are openly not. supporting China. They well, have, yeah, that too. They're writing letters saying right. we support your counter right. quote unquote counterterrorism policies yeah. against these Turkic people. Yeah, I think I think there was an article that, uh, that was talking about uh, Mohammed bin Salman actually even openly came out in, in support of the yeah. concentration camps and was was you know congratulating the, you know, China on its efforts and you know quote unquote combating terrorism and extremism and uh, uh, you know it's you know quote unquote de-radicalization program and um, so it, it's incredibly disturbing to see uh, when in all actuality we know if Muslim countries you know, you know pooled their resources together there's a lot of potential for you know preventing such atrocities from happening in the future or even stopping the ones that are occurring right now. Well, you are definitely pointing to the. Um I guess the, the the impotence. I think that's a, a fair word of the uh, OIC yeah. right now. Uh, uh, they they have not responded, but I also know that their uh, organizing charter, their, their their constitution, is one that really it's almost like we just get together for the yeah. sake of getting together. There's no real 
Right. Um, Nothing substantial that's being yeah, produced. And, yeah, there's nothing that really comes out of that. Yeah, this, uh, I think all of this, it puts a responsibility, especially on us here uh, in the United States. Um, yeah, we, we cannot be uh, silent or uh, apathetic and, and think that somebody else is going to do it. These are, yeah, this is, this is bad. Uh, let me. <laughs> That's a good song. <laughs> that's 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 a Trump that's a Trumpism. You know, you just take yeah. things to the lowest uh, <laughs> simplest vocabulary. This is yeah. just not good. Yeah, this is very not good. <laughs> it's a bad situation right now. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, you know what? Uh, we definitely pray mail I'll make it uh, I mean, easy I mean, for I mean. all those who are enduring oppression and injustice. Uh, and may may he strengthen us here to stand for justice um, without consideration for the occasion. Uh, and just to stand for, you know, stand as examples of those who are going to be about justice um, all the time, right? We really need that because political winds change. Uh, they change. So, but we hope that we can remain the same um, in our uh, resistance uh, against that. So I appreciate both of you all uh, sharing your insights. Thank you for having us. Uh, all right, Radisson family, uh, we thank you all for... Uh, joining us for this conversation uh remember to subscribe rate and review and share the podcast at radio islam usa follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at radio islam usa uh we thank our sponsor once again recycle processes uh and we remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of sound vision foundation with that we leave you as we greeted you assalamu alaikum may the peace that only god can give be upon you Thank you.